three, two, one. Welcome back to Backward Point Podcast. I am your co-host, Naja Sayed. And with me, as always, is my brother and my co-host, Bashar. And today, uh, we're a lot more rejuvenated, a lot more excited, a lot more energetic. It's been a few days since that day. Um, uh, our fans know exactly what we're talking about. Um, and uh, yeah, we're just excited to talk about the Asia Cup final, which should be a small ordeal, Bashar, as the match was only maybe two, two and a half hours shorter than most T20s I've seen, if I'm being honest. Man, I have stats for you. This is a record-breaking ODI match you've seen. Such an underwhelming uh, Asia Cup final, perhaps one of the most underwhelmings of its Asia Cup history. Yeah. Um, and we'll get very deep into however deep we can because the game was extremely short. I'm glad you mentioned the stats and uh, because everything, all our show notes can be found on our Patreon account. We post um, whenever there's a new episode out. That could be daily. That could be twice, thrice a week. All of that is available on our Patreon account. We have a lot of patrons now and we respect and love each and one of each and every one of you equally. Uh, it's, it's a great little community we started to build over there. So if you guys want to check that out, we also do weekly Q&As. And actually, our first live Zoom call with our patrons is going to happen in a couple of weeks. So if you want to be a part of that, you can sign up now on our Patreon link. Everything's in the bio below, in the descriptions below. Um, and if you're just listening on Spotify, it's in the show notes there as well. So you can check that out. Um, the first seven days are absolutely free. So whoever signs up, they have the opportunity to sign up and stay if they'd like and leave after seven days, but they get access to everything we're talking about um, for the first seven days. So that's something you guys are interested in doing. Please, please check it out. It really helps support this podcast and future endeavors that we aspire to do, which we won't talk about right now, but they're, they're cooking, man. Patreon.com slash Backward Point Podcast. There we go. That's where you want to be. That's, <laughs> that's where you want to be. Um, right now, we want to be uh, back at the Asia Cup final with India versus Sri Lanka. Um, you know what? I'm just going to take, take it away to you for giving us a summary, how that was, what happened, and you know what? How it felt in the morning when you woke up and were excited to see the second innings only to find out the match had ended two hours ago. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. I wasn't sure how to expect. It almost felt like one of those video games you play, like stick cricket or EA Sports, where 50 all out and one of the bowlers just, you know, it rips through the whole batting order. So Sri Lanka, all out 50 and 15.2 over. That's less than 100 balls that survived. And India chased a score in 6.1 overs uh, to go on to win their eighth Asia Cup title, which is the most won by any team in Asia Cup history. So here are some of the records that I pulled out. Sri Lanka, 50 all out, the lowest total in men's ODI history in a tournament final. The first time in ODI is that India has bowled out the, op- the opponents in less than 100 balls. The third shortest completed ODI in history that lasted just 129 balls, com- like if you combine both innings together. The second lowest ODI total for Sri Lanka in ODI history. And um, there's many more records to come when we get to Siraj's bowling, um, just the whole performance of uh, the Indian team while they were bowling. The one thing I'm going to call out while going into like more details of the match, the toss. Sri Lanka, the home team, uh, they decide to bat first. Now, Shanaka, I'm, I'm sure all these local guys, they know the Colombo ground. They've probably grown up playing there, played lots of domestic cricket there. And even Tasu Shanaka, made a mistake by batting first. Now, he thought it would be tougher to chase here under lights. And given the last group match that happened between Sri Lanka and India, Sri Lanka struggled to chase a 212. I mean, they didn't chase it. 
um, crumbled and just uh, uh, lost by a few runs uh, against India. So I guess keeping that in mind and also keeping in mind that um, how dangerous India's Pacers might be under lights, plus Kuldeep Yadav and Jadeja, they were like, let's win the toss, big tournament final, runs on the board, let's look to defend it. But that just backfired. So, I mean, just in hindsight, right, we talked a lot about at the, the India versus Pakistan match and how Babar Azam made a big mistake by bowling first. Um, I think we can say now that no one's really gotten the toss right because the conditions are varying match by match. And even hour by hour, like uh, the Pakistan-India match, when Pakistan was bowling, it looked like it wasn't swinging as much. But when Siraj and Bumrah were bowling the second day, second innings, it was swinging around corners. So um, just a bad toss. I think I was just hoping Babar Azam loses the tosses because whatever he does is just backfires and it backfired today for Shanika. But also you have to give props to the Indian bowlers because they have been phenomenal this entire tournament. The Indian bowling was the number one question mark uh, that India had stepping into the tournament. And that's the number one thing that has been resolved. No questions for them at all anymore. Kuldeep Yadav, man, player of the series. Um, Siraj today, Bumrah, as always, economical and just a, and a sight for sore eyes. He's been great. The bowling has been great. It's just my question occurs when uh, teams are playing against India, they're not giving the same performance. Shaheen, Naseem, and Haris were being whipped all around the ground in that game against India. But then India comes back with, Ch- with Bumrah and Siraj bowling and Pandya. Never forget Pandya. Pandya's their cheat code, like you said before. They come in and they're swinging both ways. They're, they're at pace, they're bowling good lengths, and they're getting everybody out. Same thing here. Like, how much does change in 90 minutes? Could you tell me that? Because India had Sri Lanka in a chokehold 50 all out in less than an hour, right? And then an hour later, when India comes to bat, nothing's happening for them. I'm not expecting India to lose this 50-odd run chase. But I'm expecting a wicket, a couple to fall. Does that show, does that show the testament to, of the Indian batting? Or did that just show that everybody else except for India has been ordinary on the field? I think, so first and foremost, you have to give credits to the Indian bowlers. I saw ball-to-ball that whole spell from Siraj and Mumra. Just the control they have on their wrist position, on the lengths that they're bowling, um, a nagging length, like it's not too full to drive, it's not too short to cut, and it's wicket to wicket. They're, you know, if it's for Siraj, at least if it's swinging away, he is uh, challenging the outside edge. And if it's nipping back in, he's challenging the stumps for LBW and Bolds. So I think first, like you have to give credits to, to how India is bowling. It's skill, it's high class, uh, it's a lot of it is talent, um, but it's talent that's being polished. Uh, you, like I saw Bumrah early on in his career and he only had the outswinger to the right-hander and it looks like he's learned the in-swinger as well. That's how he got Kusal Pereira out today. Um, so like when you can swing the ball at both uh, both ways at 140 clicks, I've been watching cricket for the past, I would say, 18, 19 years and my assessment is that when the ball is swinging at pace, no batsman in the world can play it. I don't care if you're Rohit Sharma if you're Virat Kohli, if you're Babar Azam, uh, you will struggle. So in today's match, it wasn't just a swing in the air, but it was also the C movement off the pitch. Um, and so first and foremost, like you need to have swing bowling conditions, but you need to be good enough to extract and make the most of those conditions, which the Indian bowlers did today. When Sri Lanka came on the ball, um, 
the other ball too wide, too short, did not swing the ball up front. Um, and the other thing is, um, like whenever whenever it is swinging, I think counter attack is very important. We saw India counter attack Pakistan with sort of neutralized Shaheen Afridi and Asim Shah. We saw the Nepal batsman uh, counter attack Siraj, so he went for a few runs uh, in their first group match. But today, even uh, Sri Lanka counter attacked Pakistan. If you remember Kusal Pereira, he was on fire, seventeen off seven. Exactly. So, like, the more you counter attack, you know, the more, the older the ball gets. Every time it goes, gets hit on the ground, goes to the boundary, uh, it gets wet. But if it's just bouncing and going to the keeper and they keep shining the ball, it gets it's, older. It gets it, it's gonna get keep shining. Yeah. So you age the ball quicker when you start counter attacking because it, it's getting hit a lot to the surfaces. Yes. But if it's if you're just going defensive, then you're giving the bowlers a longer chance. For the ball to stay new, ah, that's that's very very good insight. Because when I play cricket here, right, um, there's this ground that we play at King City, and I absolutely hate playing there in the morning because we have 8 a.m. games there. Uh, and the reason behind that is because there's a lot of dew here in Toronto uh, overnight. And if we go to the match there, we bowl first. Like there's literally a layer of dew on the ground on the grass. So I'm a new ball bowler. If somebody drives me first ball, the ball goes travels on the grass literally gets soggy and wet and then it stops swinging. But on the contrary, if I keep beating the batsman uh, in dry conditions and I ask my teammates to keep shining the ball, the ball keeps swinging more and more with better control as the overs progress. Yeah, that's true. Uh, especially in Toronto, the mornings are horrible to bowl at. Uh, uh, everybody wants to, uh, whether they're winning toss and wants to bat for more than one reasons. Sometimes we just don't have players everybody up in sometimes the morning. Sometimes you're lazy, you're like, bro, just got a bad first. Yeah, sometimes you just got a bad first, but that's true. Um, but that, I just want to come back to um, my earlier point about the rest of the bowlers in the Asia Cup and then India standing out. Is that then, are you, would you say that the other teams were just ordinary and the Indian bowling attack is, is just far superior than everybody else thought they would be? 100%, absolutely. I would say even the Pakistani bowlers, they were not up to the mark. Like, uh, Shaheen was too full. Nassim was too short. Uh, they did swing the ball. Harris was too quick. Harris was too quick. <laughs> so they did swing the ball, but I just think that their lines and lengths were were not as challenging as the Indian bowlers. Um, I don't know what's the reason behind it. Maybe it's too much T20 cricket, workload, fatigue, travel fatigue, um, a combination of all those things. But uh, yeah, I just think we, we discussed this in detail where we thought Nassim bowled brilliantly both great spells, but uh, just not full enough to get the edge or get an LBW or bold. Um, that's something that these bowlers need to work on and just ball that nagging length. I'm going to mention one thing here. I've studied a lot of bowling of Muhammad Asif, who is arguably one of the greatest swing scene bowlers um, in cricket history. You know, uh, Kevin Peterson says that, A.B. Bowler says that, Hashim Amla says that. So the greatest uh, swing bowler that never was, in my opinion. Yes. So, and, I, and I've analyzed his bowling. I've you know, and if you guys get a chance, just Google more lots of highlights and you will notice one thing very quickly. The first thing is that a lot of his dismissals are bold or LBW. Um, he balls his challenging and nagging length on the off stump where he can seam, seam it away and get the neck or he can seam it back in and get the bold LBW. So like I said, most of his wickets are bold and LBW. And even the bolds, you will notice that it just hits the top of the stumps or the bales sometimes. It's always clipping. It's always clipping. That's my main point. Yes. So the length is such where it's not too full to drive. It's not too short to cut. And the batsman is sort of confused whether to go forward or stay back. 
And just in that like split second where he makes that decision, Asif comes through and knocks him over. Yeah, and you're starting to say that Siraj has that similar, you know, it's teasing almost, right? Yeah, let's get to Siraj's spell actually. Um, yeah, I want I want to because that second over was insane. Let's get let's go through some of the records for Siraj. So he's only the fourth baller in ODI history to take four wickets in an over. And I'll tell you the other bowlers and you will be shocked. Chavin Devas. Not shocked. Not shocked. Mohamed Sami. <laughs> Extremely shocked. <laughs> what? And uh, Adil Rashid. What about uh, Malinga? Malinga. So Malinga took, um, I think he took, so he took two He's, in one over and then he took two in the next over. I, I believe it was, was the uh, 07 World Cup against South Africa towards the tail end of the match. Uh, he took four wickets and four balls, but I believe like it was two in the last ball, one over, and then two in the first ball of the other over. Oh, and then the other one was the T20. It was T20. So he's done it twice. He's done it twice. He's done it against uh, New Zealand as well. Yes, yes, yes. Crazy yes. spell, crazy spell. Yeah, he's done it twice. But they lost that game, I think. Uh, one of them they lost. They lost like, the game in the World Cup. Yeah, because it was like right at the end. Yeah. I remember that. It was like they needed like three runs or something. Um, yeah, so, okay. It's, you know, so, shout out to Malinka, though. One of the greatest of all times. But joint quickest five-wicket haul in ODI history. He took the five wickets in 16 balls. Who did he join with? Uh, alongside Jamin Davas and Ali Khan of the USA. Oh, shout out USA. Um, fourth ODI, fourth best ODI bowling figures for an Indian bowler. And it, people don't know, they forget that the best ODI bowling figures for India is by Stuart Binney, six for eight against Bangladesh. Stuart Binney is, uh, I believe, the husband of the present presentator. Mayanti Langer. Mayanti Langer. Yes. Guy knows everything. Mayanti Langer's husband. Yeah, Stuart Binney, bro. There we go. He has the best ODI figures for an... Six for eight against Bangladesh. What about... I think Anil it was Kumble a low-scoring match. Huh? Didn't Anil Kumble take 10 against Pakistan? That's test matches. Both. He did it twice. No. I don't think he took it in ODIs. No, no, no. Okay, I'm gonna... Do you want no. to fact check me on that? 100%. 100%. Because uh, no, no one's ever taken 10 wickets. Um, yeah, nine wickets is the most. Yeah. I think Afridi, nine is the most. took seven wickets. Uh, took seven... Oh, now we got to Google this. Yeah, check it out. Uh, I think maybe seven wickets. Maybe someone's taken eight wickets. But I think Afridi's spell, Afridi's seven wickets is the best for Pakistan. And I think it's like the second or third best um, in ODI history. This was the seven for 12 he took against West Indies in his comeback match in 2013 in West Indies. So we're just checking with the best. What about um, uh, the Basim Akram? Does he not have eight wickets in an ODI? No. Or... Um, Imran Khan? Mm, Imran Khan has eight wickets in test matches. Eight wickets in test matches. Okay, so... Uh, or, okay, I'm trying to look for best bowling figures, right? If you just search in best ODI bowling figures, you'll find it. So yeah, I think we're just trying to see just for our knowledge as well. I, I wasn't able to check. All right, so I got best bowling ODI figures right here. Um, okay, so are you ready? Yeah. Number one is Jamin Devas. Uh, who has eight wickets for 19 against Zimbabwe in 2001. Okay. Uh, we got Shahid Afridi for number two. Yay! Seven for 12 against West Indies. I love that game. That that game, um, we've talked about this before, but a seven for 12 and he scored a 15 in the first innings um, when Pakistan was like 110 or 120 for five. And this was his comeback match because they dropped him for the Champions Trophy. Yes, yes. And uh, I, I argue that that is probably the best Pakistani all-rounder performance of all time. Shahid Afridi in that ODI. 
I mean, uh, there's not a lot. There's one more by Afridi, which I love, but my personal favorite is Shahid Afridi versus Sri Lanka. I believe this is 2011 or 12. This is in Sharjah, where, uh, so Jairwardhane and Sangakara were chasing, and they needed like 45 or 45, like a very low total. And Afridi comes in and rips through Jairwardhane, Matthews, Sangakara, um, and takes five wickets, Pakistan wins the match. Like, and he also scored 50 in that match, I believe. One of the most iconic Pakistani cricketers. Again, uh, I've argued many times on this show before that his his numbers don't really um, extenuate what kind of a cricketer he was. But he had those moments, like I just said, so 7 for 12. And there's a lot of cricketers here who've had 7. So I'll, I'll just run them down. Migrad, Rashid Khan, um, A.G. Bishal, uh, Murli Dharan, Ali Khan, Saudi, Bolt, Vakar Yunus, Akib Javed, Imran Tahir, W. Davis, Stuart Binney. Has six. Then that's when the six starts. Just fun fact. Uh, Vaseem Akram's highest wickets were five. He never took a six for. Which it's is hard to take six when you're playing with Bakar Yunus, right? Because he might take like two or three from the other end. <laughs> so it's just harder to take <coughs> more than five wickets when you have so much competition. Yeah, excuse me about that cough. Yes, that's true. Wow. So no one's ever taken 10 in, in ODI. Eight is the, is the most for Vas. Um, and that was also at Colombo, by the way. Mm. So there you go. Colombo, good for bowlers, I guess. I guess. Uh, so coming back to just uh, the Siraj spell, high skill. I mean, I feel like he's unlocked or hacked what swing bowling is up front because he was using the crease. Siraj essentially has two balls. He has the outswinger that he balls, uh, and then he has the one that nips back. And he balls it again from the same length. So if it swings away, you'll nick it off, which he did to a couple of batsmen. If it nips back, he'll get you bolted up W. And he'll always keep you guessing. Like I said, he also uses the crease to just create those angles. Um, there's one bowl that he did, which reminded me of Jimmy, what Jimmy Anderson does at Lawrence. I was just going to say, very Jimmy Anderson-esque. Just creating those angles, coming in with the angle, pitching, nipping back, nipping off, uh, nipping away, and knocking off the off stump. So just high skill and just going into the World Cup with such bowling form, you know, when we were growing up, it was always the Indian batters that were like mighty and, and legends and it's hard to get them out. But now I believe Indian bowlers are not too far behind. They have a formidable bowling attack now with uh, Bumrah, Siraj, Shami was on the bench. So you can imagine, um, you know, one of their best bowlers was not even playing. Pandya. Pandya is And then Kuldeep was your fourth. Kuldeep, Jadeja, like, and they haven't even picked Yuzvinder Chahal. That's how good their team is. So, Going into the World Cup, I think India definitely looking like the top two teams, uh, which I would say could make the finals. Um, that's what I'm saying. This Asia Cup was the most beneficial for them, a uh, myriad of reasons. Uh, but just had, they had so many questions on so many people. Even Virat Kohli was being uh, questioned for a lot of his performances. Comes out, scores a century against Pakistan, shuts up with haters for the next at least two years. I don't think anybody's going to talk about Virat Kohli's performances. Um, KL Rahul has one of the best comebacks I've seen in a very long time. I was hoping ABD had a similar comeback, but you know, 52, I'll take it. You know, no worries. Um, and then just Kuldeep Yadav, man. Just continues to show uh, what kind of grace he has, what kind of a performance he is, perform- performer he is. Uh, comes in, takes five in the first game, four in the next, man of the series, you know, all in a day's work. Um, I love that for him. He's a, he's a great bowler to watch. As Lexman myself, I just think the way that he turns the ball, he ha- his googly is like just unreadable and he he takes time in the, in the air there's a lot of revs in the, on his deliveries and then once it bounces it could go either either way and it just breaks enough 
for the batsman to lean in and want to play those one of those two shots. And that's all he needs you for you to do. He baits you. He makes you come come forward. Rest is history. So great on Kuldeep Yadav. Love to see that as well. Um, is there anything you want to talk about the Sri Lankans when it comes? Yeah. Um, yeah, I wanted to actually. I was like, is this, like, how could Sri Lanka have battered better? And I think, so yeah. This is what I want to say. Lots of uh, good points raised uh, and all credit goes to Siraj, Pandya and um, Bhumra for sure. But at the same time, a lot of those wickets were just freebies. I think at least a, three a couple of, those. of them at least. Three at least. Right. So uh, the Nisanka catch to Jadeja, like you're playing shots on the up uh, in the air. A couple of those actually. Cu- and then so Asalanka as well, the, the main guy who smashed Pakistan, uh, plays the ball in the covers in the air and uh, gets caught again. A couple of loose drives, I want to say. Um, Lazy uh, drives, Silva, yeah. uh, where the, the fourth wicket in the over for Siraj. Um, just a lazy drive, like feet not going anywhere, very close, very away from the ball. Um, so I think those are a few dismissals that they could have um, of like avoided. Nobody tried to see see the ball away. Mendes, Kusal <laughs> Mendes, bro. He was like on the other end, witnessing everything happen in front of his Ex- eyes, <laughs> except for him. Nobody was like, you know what? I'm gonna take. I'm just not gonna fidget this over. I'm just gonna have my. Even when um, Taraj was on a hat trick, this guy comes in. I forget who it is. De Silva. It comes in and gives him a four. And Taraj runs after the ball. Well, he just wanted to save his economy there. Economy. You know that. Everybody was <laughs> laughing. It was such a good moment. You gotta save your average. Yeah, you gotta save your average. But, you know, nobody's trying to like see away the new ball. Just maybe wait a couple of overs. Everybody's trying to go and hit. You're well, gonna their, do that. In, in their defense, if it's swinging both ways, you can't really see it away. Right? Like, you don't know which one's gonna come in, which one's gonna go away. So... Just in their defense, it was high quality bowling. And then just lastly, I wanted to get into like a Asia Cup overall review, like just general thoughts of the Asia Cup. My opinion was that this is the worst Asia Cup that's ever happened. Is it the worst tournament you've ever seen? Including the Gulistan and Johar tournaments you played in Karachi? Uh, probably. Top five, probably. right? Yeah. yeah. And in those tournaments, we used to like, the light would go off and we would just go home. Some of those tournaments would only have two tennis balls. And then if you hit, if like a player hits like a couple of them for sixes and goes into the houses and never comes back, match is over. Game over. And it was, so those were like, that's the range of performance that this, a quality that this Asia Cup was in for you. Yeah, just because of like in this Asia Cup, the scheduling, the politics, the rain, just terrible. Like it was as a viewer, like you literally had to watch India versus Pakistan match, wash away. And then secondly, you had to watch an India Pakistan match over the course of two days, one going on to a Monday on a weekday. Um, so just terrible scheduling, terrible politics involved. Pakistan was the host, you know, and we had to suffer the most. So I think these are Bars. things that people are not considering. A lot of comments we got in our last episode were saying that, oh, we're making a lot of excuses about travel fatigue, but that's what we're going to face in the World Cup. It's okay in the World Cup, but right now it's not okay because Pakistan seems to be the only team that is traveling the most, that is suffering the most. Or was the only team. Yes. Now they're at home chilling. It, it's all fair game when everyone's going through it, when there's a level playing field. But here, clearly, it's not. Yeah, and a lot of the other people that were saying that's going to be the same in India, okay, but it's, it's going to be scheduled like that. Um, there was a moment in the Asia Cup where Pakistan was in Lahore. Of Pakistan, Afghanistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, all four of them were in one city. Just There was just one other team not there. And it was dry, it was humid, it was great cricketing playing conditions, but... And they were considering moving the Asia Cup from Colombo to Habantota <laughs> in the middle of it. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what I was coming to. That the, there was a conversation of all four teams did not know if they were going to go to Colombo, if they were going to go to Hambantota, if they were going to go to freaking UAE. Nobody knew. And it's just, it's crazy. Also, one other thing that I noticed uh, while just watching the highlights again, uh, who was the host of this tournament? I don't know. No, like on paper. Oh, Pakistan. Where was Zagashraf? Ashraf? Nowhere. At the uh, presentation ceremony. I think he was back in Lahore. He was literally having a meeting with Babar Azam in Lahore. So, like, that's the sort of level of seriousness the SEC took when giving Pakistan hosting rights. You know, you're going to hear us complain about this all the time. It's, this was not a Pakistan-hosted tournament. It just wasn't. Uh, we had no say in anything. You know what they can do? They can just make UAE the neutral venue of where the Asia Cup will happen, regardless of uh, whatever the Asia Cup scenario is. That just makes it fair games. Ha- make it happen the UAE, uh, Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Sharjah, three grounds. India doesn't play in Sharjah anymore. You know that, right? Oh, really? Yeah. Like India. Oh, yeah, I noticed that. When was that. the last time India played in Sharjah? Barring India, Pakistan. You know what? I noticed that because um, the last Asia Cup, Pakistan faced Afghanistan. And this is the game where Nassim Shah had two sixes. And literally the next morning or the next day, Afghanistan was facing India in Dubai. Yeah. And it was, they don't play in charge anymore. So what, what are you going to do? Abu Dhabi and Dubai, I guess. That's it. Yeah. But yeah, I don't mind that. I think that's a good idea. But the, um, I don't think it'll fly just because, you know, the Bengalis never did anything bad. Sri Lanka's never did anything bad. Uh, even the Indians, like they, at the end of the day, they're like, bro, we, we like our cricket at home. We're actually good at that. So I don't ever see it becoming a neutral venue. It, only for Pakistan, no one's gonna, no one's gonna side to that, bro. The BCB and the Sri Lankan Cricket Board get so easily bullied by the BCCI that it was just like, remember when, um, in this tournament when, uh, the BCCI basically announced that there's gonna be a reserve day for India Pakistan and all the other boards were like, yeah, 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 we're totally on board with that. But you know what was happening behind behind the doors, man. Nobody was like on their own saying that this is exactly what they wanted. It seemed very forced. And uh, if BCCI makes that call, then you know how it's going to be. It's going to be very, you know, I'd want to know where everybody's families are before, um, before that call was made. Listen, there is no issue with Pakistan because Star Sports knows it. Everybody else knows it. Um, the main moneymaker of this tournament is India Pakistan? So and if that's the case, then why doesn't Pakistan leverage that? I don't know. I like think genuinely, I think it's because they want to make money off of too, off of it too, right? So I mean, because the games get broadcasted on BTV, Ten Sports, the PCB has rights to show the game and they get money off of it. So as much as India needs it, Pakistan also needs it. And I Does think India Pakistan, need it? They don't need it as much as Pakistan needs it. Yeah, that's just a fact. So Pakistan will will get bullied in that sense just because they need that extra dough, and that somehow does help the. Pakistan cricket board helps their Pakistan cricketers. Yeah. I see what you mean. It's an unfortunate situation, but you, you got to feed the bully, I guess. I don't know. It was, I agree with you, by the way. One of the worst organized tournaments I've ever seen. Um, what else do you want me to say? Yeah. So, uh, uh, Patirana was the highest wicket taker, <laughs> 11 wickets. Shubman Gill was the highest run scorer, 302 runs. Um, for the way Shubman Gill is going, I think he might break the record of, I mean, it might be too early to say this, but just looking at his form, his class, the quality he has and the untapped potential there is in this guy like he could be the next goalie, the next Sharma and combined. Combined. Both of them combined. He already has 800 in international cricket and 
yes, need 92 more to uh, get to selections level. 800 is in international cricket. So that's what, four in ODIs? Five in ODIs. Five in ODIs, one in T20? No, five in ODIs, three in tests. Okay. So reckon, yeah. Hasn't even uh, cracked the T20. Wow, yeah. I, I see that. I see yeah. that. Totally. Um, lastly, what's next? Uh, I think this was like not the best uh, Asia Cup to have leading into a World Cup where the conditions might be a bit different. So just like in terms of team combinations, just maybe teams got a chance to test out different combinations. But just as a preparation slash lead up to the World Cup, conditions-wise, not the best tournament to have. Yeah, I agree with that. And um, I, as a Pakistani fan, uh, the way that this tournament started, the way that I felt versus not the way that I feel now, those are completely contrasting emotions. Um, lots of questions were uh, left on the table. Uh, the answers we got weren't the ones we needed or the ones we were looking for. And um, as a Pakistani fan, I'm, I'm, I'm stressed out. Yeah. Uh, the World Cup warm-up matches begin in about 11 to 12 days. Um, What's the date for those? September 29th is the first World Cup warm-up match. So uh, we're leading up straight into the World Cup. And uh, you can catch all the action here at Backward Point Podcast. We'll do a World Cup preview. We'll do a specific review of the Pakistan team. Lots of unanswered questions for the Pakistan team. Uh, we're hoping that the squad gets announced in the next few days and we'll do a complete squad review. That's what people were asking is, is are we going to talk about who this team's replacement should be? And I feel like by the time this episode is aired, um, we will probably have a squad announcement. So we'll do a whole separate video on that. People also want to know what our 11, 15 are. I think that's, we should save that for another video because this is just, this video was just an Asia Cup roundup um, and, and the final as well. Um, so we will, should save that for its own title. What do you think? I, I agree. Absolutely. Uh, that should be a separate uh, podcast of its own. We'll do a whole World Cup preview and then maybe have chapters of each team because everyone has their squads announced. I just um, One thing I want to say about the World Cup um, is that this might be the first World Cup where nobody's a favorite. Um, and I say that quite sincerely. You, you can probably pick your top four, but even from those four, you can be like, I know these two will go to the finals. Like, you just don't know that. Um, this is the first time in a very long time this, this whole World Cup is blown open. Anybody could win. South Africa could come and win. I literally believe that. Um, Australia could come and win. Um, if they want, they could literally do that. England could repeat. Like, it's literally, and Pakistan can do, literally do an upset and, and win the whole thing. So this is one of those World Cups where every single game matters and every single game is going to be expect- so spectacular. I think this is going to be one of the best World Cups to ever happen, just because, like you mentioned, the competitiveness, like, you, you just sit down and look at some of the teams and every team seems to be so good and the beauty of the World Cup is that all the best players are available. They're in the teams. But um, most of them also played with injuries. If you look at that, like Nassim is out. I was looking at, there was a, somebody actually made a injured playing 11. I forget where it is. I, I wish I could pull it up. If you guys are on Patreon, I'll leave it in the show notes. But Travis Head is in there. Travis Head is broke, fractured his hand. Tim Southey. Southey is out. Nassim Shah. Nassim Shah is out. Give me more. Adam Milne is out from New Zealand. There we go. Like, um, a few other players that uh, Williamson is in ish I haven't seen him bat yet so I don't know how how he's gonna be uh, Hardest Trove might be up for a few games in the beginning yeah Shakib looks a little bit out he's out, in, out of the New Zealand game Tamimi Ball is out as well Tamimi Ball is out like that's a whole other thing that's going on um, you know lots of conversations about leagues lots of conversations about these side quest matches that people should play and should not play you know there's a whole other conversation it's a whole fourth podcast i don't know if we have time for that 
But people also want to know, Bashar, in the midst, you have a couple of weeks off with no cricket going on, especially Pakistan cricket. There might be cricket going on with other nations, but you know, Pakistan cricket is sort of taking hiatus. What are we going to do? So uh, we might have Q&A episodes. We might do a few think pieces. Uh, just looking into the World Cup, we might do uh, World Cup reviews of uh, some iconic uh, World Cups that have happened. Uh, I was thinking of doing uh, a Pakistan kit review uh, for the World Cup, just comparing this one to the previous ones that we had, rating each one. So lots of opportunities to do many different episodes. Um, might just consult you guys on Instagram. I was just going to say, uh, Instagram is the way that we're going to communicate with you guys the most. If you guys want direct feedback, if you guys want literal input into the podcast, again, Patreon is the best way. Sign up, tell us exactly what you want. We'll talk about it. We take our patrons' advice as priority. Um, same thing with the Q&As. Uh, the Q&As, patrons get first access, first dibs on the questions. Whatever they ask, we, we answer them um, pertaining to cricket, obviously. And then just, you know, the, the Patreon community is building st- steadily and surely. And that's just the best way to get in touch with us, uh, to get something on to the podcast. That's what you do. Absolutely. Patreon.com slash Backward Point Podcast. Um, and if you guys are listening to us on YouTube, make sure to subscribe, like, uh, comment, let's engage respectfully. Um, and if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, make sure to leave a review because that just really helps push the podcast forward to other people to find yeah. it. And uh, one last time before we sign out today, congratulations to India for winning the Asia Cup for the eighth time. Deserve a champions. We, sh- we, should, we should say that as well. Um, it, it was not a fun World Cup. It was not a fun Asia, Asia Cup for us. Um, but, you know, we did what we could. Uh, thank you, everybody, for subscribing, tuning in. We built this little small community. It was fun engaging with everybody. So, you know, this podcast is just as big as the fans are. So thank you very much to the fans for sticking around. This podcast is not ending. This episode might be ending, but this podcast is just, is just the beginning for us. So thanks for everybody for sticking around. Our day oneers, we know who you are exactly. Um, and just, you know, wanted to show some gratitude, man. Absolutely. That's absolutely. We've been working very hard to build this community. We finally have a, a group of people that want to listen to us and engage. Um, I think that's the beauty of building this community. And like you mentioned, it was a pleasure covering the Asia Cup and looking forward to covering the ODI World Cup, the big tournament, and, and hoping that Pakistan team and all the other teams will showcase some great cricket skills on the field. That's a great way to sign out, Bashar. Thank you very much for everybody listening. Nazar is uh, signing out and so is my brother Bashar here. And we hope that everybody is safe uh, and sound. Having a good time, man. Have, enjoy the rest of your week. Cheers. Cheers.